Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Thank you. Thank you. Good to see everybody in God's house. Anybody excited for Thanksgiving? Amen. Thanksgiving's always good. Anybody plan on overeating? Some of y'all are being spiritual right now. No, I'm not going to be a glutton, you know, Pastor. We're going to eat in moderation. It is so good to see you. We are switching gears a little bit this morning, um, and we will receive the offering tithes, all of that at the end of service. Uh, and we have a very special video that I want to show you at the end of service as well that I think will speak to you. But I wanted to jump right into the Word of God this morning. We've been in a series called Beyond the Numbers. And the whole idea of this series is it's tied to generosity, and we know that it's not about the numbers, it's about the heart. Our money and, and our heart is connected. That where we give, where we spend our income, we know that our heart moves in that direction. Doesn't matter where you, where you spend it, your heart moves to where your money goes. Jesus connected our heart with our treasure. And so with that, we learned in week one the principle of first. The tithe is the first portion of the income, and we, we understand that it's holy, it's set apart, it belongs to God. We don't give it because you cannot give what doesn't belong to you. We bring it, right? And, but, but the cool thing about the tithe is that the first portion has a redemptive power, that, that when we bring what belongs to God first, it redeems the rest, and we've learned through experience, and I'm sure many can testify to this, that God can do more with your 90% than you can your 100%. Can I get a witness in the church? Some of you are like, oh, I've come to the wrong church service today. Uh, I'm that preacher. I love talking about money. And the reason being is because the Bible's so full of it. Like all throughout the scripture, we see money, material possessions, and, and God has a lot to say about it. In last week's message, we stayed with the theme of the series of Beyond the Numbers, and we talked about how that it's really more than numbers. It's a heart issue. But today, I want to close it out by talking to you about this subject, intentional generosity. Intentional generosity. You may ask, why intentional, Pastor? The reason we have to be intentional when it comes to generosity is because a lot of us, we are waiting to feel like being generous, If we are not intention, instead of planning to be generous, a lot of us are waiting on that overwhelming sensation, that, that feeling that I should be generous. And the Bible has a lot to say about this, and we'll get into that. But I believe that if we're not careful, we can throw some money here and write a check there, and we, we can do all that kind of stuff. But the attitude can be wrong. Because it's not so much the amount that God cares about, it's the attitude in which we give it. It's the heart behind why we give. And if we lose the right heart for giving, we will eventually lose our way of giving. And I think a lot of people, uh, because they don't have the right heart, 
as it relates to giving and generosity is that they become cynical, they become stingy, and we start to live a life of consumption instead of a life of contribution. I'm going to let that sink in. We live a life of consumption instead of a life of contribution. And Jeremiah, the prophet, said this. He said, God saying through Jeremiah, But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. Again, when it comes to giving, God cares more about the attitude than the amount. All right? So it's not the amount. It's the attitude in which we give it. Now I want to switch gears, and we're going to be going to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. And the Apostle Paul writing here, um, and he's, he's writing this letter to the church, and he's talking to them about their heart as it relates to giving. He's talking to them about their attitude. And we know that the Apostle Paul was, was focused on church planning. He had this passion, this calling to plant churches, strong churches, that would reach lost people. And after he would plant the churches, he would stay up to date with those churches through letters. He would write to them. And most of his energy was focused on church planning, but the Apostle Paul also had a deep affection for the church at Jerusalem. And the church of Jerusalem was the mother church. It was the largest church, all right? It had the most resources. And he had a special love, affinity for this congregation, and as we're about to see, Paul is encouraging all the other churches to receive an offering for this church. Now what's interesting about it is, is that the church at Jerusalem was the larger church. It was the most, had the most resources, yet he's asking these smaller churches to receive an offering for the larger church. Now how many know that's going to make some church folk mad right there? Like, why is the large church receiving an offering from the small churches? And I think the reason we think like that is because we don't understand giving and generosity. We think giving and generosity is always about meeting a need. But we have to understand the importance of meeting needs, but we also have to understand that our giving should be tied to vision. That we're not just giving to meet needs, we are giving to a vision. We are giving to lives being changed. And so he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Now, i got to stop right here and just say, these people were giving out of poverty. They were giving out of their lack. And not only were they giving out of their lack, they were begging to be a part of this offering. Now, I don't know the last time that I had people begging me to receive an offering. But these people were in lack they didn't have enough themselves, and yet they are begging to participate, to be a part of receiving this offering. And it says this in verse 5, they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. And I love verse 7. Watch this. 
He says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. The Apostle Paul said, you guys are doing great. You're growing, you're excelling in love, kindness, and faith. But see to it that you excel in the grace of giving. I, I want you to grow in faith. I want you to grow in love. But I also want you to grow in your giving. Now, don't hit your neighbor real hard, but just tap somebody and say, you need to grow in your giving. All right, y'all not playing, are you? If I just said tap your neighbor and tell him your miracle's on the way, you'd have been. <laughs> got to grow in our giving. But in order to grow in our giving, we got to understand, first off, we are designed to give. We're designed to. God, by nature, is a giver. We've created in His image and after His likeness. So the a core value for every follower of Jesus is generosity. God so loved us that He gave, right? He's a generous God. He gave to us. And, and there's so many things that represent what it means to follow Jesus. We could talk about a whole list of things. If I were to pass the microphone around and, and ask every person to describe in, in just a couple of words what it means to follow Jesus, we would get some amazing answers. We would have some people that would talk about faith and Others would probably talk about love, and some of us would talk about, you know, uh, how, how we treat people, and there'd be a lot of great things that, that we could talk about. But I want you to think about this real quick, just to show you where I'm going today. The word believe, everybody say believe. The word believe appears in Scripture 272 times, 272. The word pray, 371 times. The word love 714 times, and that's where a lot of us would probably land. We'd land on love. But the word give appears 2,161 times. Giving is the verb of the Bible. The subject is God. The object is us. The verb is give. The whole story is about a generous God that so loved us that he gave of himself. He gave. Hit your neighbor and tell him he gave. He gave. We're made in His image. We're, we're created in His likeness. And so we have to understand we're designed to give, but we also need to connect the why we give. I think that's so important. We have to connect the why of our giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says this. He says, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Do you realize what Paul's doing here? He's, he's creating almost competition here. He's like, I want you to see how this church gave above and beyond out of their own lack. I'm going to compare your giving to their giving. Again, it's not about the amount. It's about the heart. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Paul is saying that you should not give. I want you to get this. You shouldn't give just because there's an opportunity. You shouldn't give just because someone commanded you to give. I believe the church has lost a lot of its authority as it relates to finances because we have tried to manipulate people. We have tried to twist people's arms into giving. 
And, and that's not what the Apostle Paul is doing here. He's saying that I, w- I want you to give out of a sincere heart. I want your heart connected to your pocketbook. I, I, I want you to see how they flow together. Make sure you know why you are giving. Because where you casually place your money is where your heart passionately follows. So I can throw a few bucks in a direction, but if it's money that I've earned, how many of you understand our heart immediately follows that? If you buy stock this week, I promise you, in a day or two, you're going to go back and look at that stock, right? Because you want to make sure that it's not gone, right? If you, if you buy a car, at least for two weeks, you're going to try to keep up with that car, right? Until the french fries that have been there for a little while. You're, you're going to keep up because where your money goes, your heart passionately follows. Every expense, is, is, it speaks to the direction of our heart. And so with that being said, I believe the whys of giving can be summed up in three main areas. Number one, obedience. I think tithing is a good place to look right here. We tithe. We bring the first portion to God out of obedience, right? We, we, and out of that obedience, out of bringing to God what belongs to Him, not only do I obey, but it also, tithing, cultivates a heart of generosity. I believe with all my heart that God has the answer for greed, and it's tithing. That the tithe literally breaks the spirit of greed off of our lives, especially in a nation that is so consumer-driven instead of contribution-driven. That, that we tithe, and then that's obedience, and it starts to develop uh, a heart of generosity. And I believe that the, the, this principle takes us through the, what I would call the three Ds. The three, everybody say the three Ds. A decision, all right? We make a decision that we're going to follow God's instructions concerning money. The second D is discipline. So there's a discipline attached to the decision. I'm going to be disciplined in bringing to God what belongs to Him, and then eventually that turns into generosity, which means that my giving, the third D, becomes a delight. Did you know that when you start giving, it actually becomes fun? That, that you are empowered through your generosity. And so we start with obedience, but we also need to look at covenant. Covenant means I give up my rights and what's best for me, and I start thinking uh, about what's best for us. Did you know that you are in a covenant relationship with God? That means that what, what you have belongs to Him, and we think, oh no, but here's the good news. What He has belongs to you. That's what covenant is. Now, covenant relationships are the most expensive relationships. Anybody figured out that having kids is expensive? Anybody found out marriage is an intimate relationship? It's expensive. How many of you don't do for your spouse, and you don't do for everybody in your life what you would do for your spouse or your kids? They're an intimate covenant relationship. My question is, is where is God on your list? Because it's a covenant relationship, an intimate relationship, which means money is involved. So we have obedience covenant, but we also have vision. I believe that my giving and your giving actually changes lives. 
I actually believe that every dime that is given to Bethesda Church through our generosity, when we go above and beyond the tithe and say, we're going we're gonna to do above and beyond, we're going to support the Imagine campaign, we're going to do everything we can to be generous, I believe that the result of that is lives being changed and to the tune this year of 646 people have made a decision to follow Jesus. That is about your giving and your generosity. It's your gift. Do you know you're going to meet people in heaven? We'll talk about this a little later. You're going to meet people in heaven that you didn't really know here, and they're going to thank you for your giving. And we don't even see the spiritual component sometimes. We just think numbers and dollar signs and checks. And, and that's why I'm trying to convince us to see and show us that we have to move beyond the numbers. And we got to look at the heart, and we got to look at the attitude. 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 10, it says, Here is my judgment about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. I love verse 12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. If the willingness is there and you have a generous heart, how many of you understand it's not the amount that matters? It's that you have the right heart. You have the right attitude about this. So it's not, you say, well, I can't give as much as so-and-so. It doesn't matter. God's not holding us accountable to what we don't have. Are y'all with me? Some of y'all are like, I'm just glad this series is over this week. I understand. I understand where you're coming from. But, but generosity, guys, we are never more like Christ than when we give. He showed and demonstrated his love for us that while we were yet sinners, he gave himself. He gave, giving being the verb. And so if our attitude about giving is going to be correct, we have to, number one, we have to give intentionally. We have to do this intentionally. Some of us are just waiting to be, mo to be moved. And, and, and we miss out on the impact we can make if we would actually plan to be generous. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7 says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So it, this shouldn't be random. It, I shouldn't have to preach for three weeks and emotionally wear you out so that you finally give in. You, do you understand what I'm saying? Like you should, oh, he won't shut up, so I'm going to give. That, that's not how this works. That's not, not, that's not what God is looking for in this. And, and, and what we need to know is that if we, we should invest where we want our passion to be. Do you know who's most passionate about Bethesda Church? People who give. People who give, not just financially, but give their time. You say, well, I, I'm just not that pumped up about Bethesda. I, I can't, it's all right. I, you know, great, 646 people got saved. That doesn't really move me. Well, here, here, here's what will move you. Start giving. You invest where you want your passion to be. 
If your passion for the local church needs to get to another level, I would encourage you to give, not just financially, but give of your... He said that they first gave of themselves, and then they gave to us. And so giving is not just dollar signs. It's not just money. It's beyond the numbers. It's a spiritual component that makes us more like Christ. How many of any relationship you want to improve, start giving to it? You can't receive from anything that you're not giving to. You invest nothing and want something back. Listen, if you want more back, then start giving. And I, it doesn't matter if it's the church, your marriage, your relationship with a friend, a boss. Start living in generosity and watch how God will bless that relationship. And when, we, when our heart is not in it, what happens is, is we start giving what I call fruitlessly. Like there's no fruit with it because, one, we start giving sporadically. So every two years, we see a commercial of a starving child. Oh, I need to give. But how many know just as quick as you could stop right there and give, you could also turn the channel real quick. And so if you're waiting to be moved, how many know we can remove ourselves from being moved? That's good preaching right there. We're waiting to be moved, and, and we, we just kind of put ourselves in situations where we're not going to be moved. And so our giving becomes sporadic, and it has less impact. Then... We, we, we can also give selfishly. And you say, how in the world is that possible? Um, the default mode of our heart is selfish by nature. So, so that, what that means is the, every two-year-old two on the planet loves the word mine. They walk around claiming everything. Mine, mine. They, that, that, and, and it's cool when you first get saved that it's all about you. But you've been saved 27 years. And you're still walking around saying, mine, 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 mine. And then we're mad at God that we're not living the kind of life that we've been praying for. But if you haven't been sowing, you're not going to reap. Oh, it's so good. I, we need to stay right in this series for a little while. We're going to cancel the Christmas series and stay here. Just kidding. Selfishness, watch this, can attack us before we give, but grief can attack us after we give. Have you ever given and then went, I shouldn't have done that? Yeah, you have. It's the same as buyer's remorse. You buy something, it's a pretty big expense, and then you get home about three days later, you're like, why did I buy this? I didn't really consider the cost. And some of us, because we're selfish, we either have that struggle before we give or we have that grief after we give. And many people give because they feel that they have to instead of giving because we get to. And, and we have to change the game. And the, and the other part of that is we start giving sparingly. Without a plan, giving tends to be sparing. And the reason for that is if you don't have a plan, you're going to come up with ways and reasons to hold on to more, to keep more for yourself, and to give away less. You're going to start playing it safe if you're not intentional. God wants us to make an intentional decision 
to be generous. So the first attitude of the right kind of giving is to give intentionally. The second attitude is to give joyfully. To give joyfully. That I'm not giving with reservation and sorrow. I'm giving out of a cheerful heart. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7, God loves a cheerful giver. I'm reminded of a, of a story of a mom who was trying to teach her daughter the importance of giving. And she had two bills in her pocketbook, and she gave her daughter both bills. One was a $5 bill. One was a $1 bill. And they were going to church the next day, and she said, tomorrow when you get to church, I want you to give one of those to God. Well, she got to church, and that day the pastor happened to be talking about God loves a cheerful giver. And so the offering's about to be received, and, and the, the little girl's sitting there, and she's thinking, should I give five, should I give one? Should I give five, should I give one? The offering bucket gets to her, and she real quick throws in the one and puts the five in her pocket. After service, her mom said, I'm really thankful that you gave something, but I want to know why you made the decision to give the one and keep the five. And she said, well, the pastor said that God loves a cheerful giver, and I just figured I would be a whole lot more cheerful if I kept the five and gave the one. I'd be a lot happier with that level. Now, how many of you know that explains a lot of us? Our giving, instead of giving, like being cheerful that we get to give, we're cheerful that we get to keep. And that has to break. We have to break that off of our lives and not live like that way, that way and start giving joyfully and, and, and understand that God loves a cheerful giver. And here's the other thing that I think about. When I think about giving cheerfully or joyfully, there's no such thing as a joyful or cheerful keeping story. The only cheerful and joyful stories are the giving stories. Like, you're not going to hear a story that starts out with, you know, I, I was really going to bless someone this Thanksgiving, but thank God I overcame the temptation. <laughs> so I kept it. There was a single mom that we were really going to help, but the devil is a liar. We kept it. Are y'all in this place now? Oh, we were going to give above and beyond on our tithe and give more to the church so they could meet more need, but praise God, hallelujah, we kept it. How many of there's no such thing as a joyful keeping story? All the joyful, cheerful stories are not about keeping, it's about giving. So the attitudes are we give intentionally, we give joyfully, and last, we give selflessly. 2 Corinthians 8 and 5, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So they didn't just write a check, they gave of themselves. Their heart was in their giving. See, you and I are here today because God didn't choose to send us a teacher or a guideline or a one-time pass. God gave himself. Like he gave himself. And every person here has been impacted by someone else's generosity. This church is here because someone gave. Right? This new building is going up because someone was generous. People get to watch our services all around the world. Or if you miss a service, you can go back and watch because someone gave. 
Right now, you're sitting here listening to a sermon, probably thinking, I wish I wasn't here hearing this sermon, but you're here and your kids are being taken care of and being ministered to because someone right now is giving. We've all been impacted by someone else's generosity. Aren't you glad that when it comes to generosity, Noah didn't say, I don't do boats? Aren't you glad that David didn't say, I don't do giants, only little people? Aren't you glad Michelangelo didn't say, I don't do ceilings, I only do walls? Aren't you glad Jesus didn't say, I don't do crosses? We've all been impacted by someone else's generosity. And there's two quick things that happen when we give with the right heart. Hit your neighbor and tell your neighbor, he's almost done. <laughs> Second Corinthians 9 and 11, he says, You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Two things happen. One, you will be enriched in every way. See, we, we, we think being enriched here, he says, in every way. If we limit it, to financial blessing, we will miss out on 99% of what God wants to do in our lives. It involves finances, but how many know being enriched in every way means your health, your relationships, your mindset. God wants to enrich you in every part, every facet of your life. The second thing, and I, I mentioned this earlier, what happens when we do this with the right attitude, people will thank God because of what you gave. Do you realize you're going to meet people in eternity that your giving changed their life? And you may not. Here's the crazy thing. I, we hear stories sometimes of people's lives being changed here at Bethesda that I've never met. I don't know their name. I don't know where they came from. But I do know that your giving has helped change their life. It's amazing how our giving, our generosity impacts the lives of those around us. And God said, I'll make you rich in every way, in every way. And I don't know that we could be more rich than having over 600 people come to know Jesus this year. I, I don't, I, you know, what financial blessing is better than that? I don't know of one. I don't know of a financial blessing that, that's better than lost souls coming to know Jesus. See, God's only motivation is not to give to you, but His motivation is to give through you. God wants you to be a conduit of His blessing, to, be, to operate in generosity for people who, who are far from God right now, but they're, they're going to be impacted by your giving. This is one of the reasons we have to grow in the grace of giving. Yes, we grow in faith. We grow in love. We grow in kindness. But we also grow in the grace of giving. And I don't know how you feel, but I'm still amazed that God would use someone as messed up as I am to make a change in somebody else's life. Aren't you thankful that God, in spite of your struggles, your weaknesses, your hang-ups, all the things you, you fight against, that God has chosen to use you? It brings me to this last scripture, Psalm 116 and 12. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? 
Anybody else feel that way today? I mean, how can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? A couple of weeks ago, we shared with you about the Imagine campaign and the new facility that we will be in in just a few short months that we'll be worshiping in this. And we shared with you that it is about a million dollars over what we had anticipated originally. Now, the first thing I, I say with that is we're not nervous. God owns it all. God's, God's met every need all along the way. He will continue to do that. And we are about three and a half months away from that 24-month campaign being up, all right? So we got approximately 100 days, somewhere in the ballpark. Hit your neighbor and tell them about 100 days. About 100 days. And the 24 months will be up. And this campaign was an attempt for us to be generous, not to give an amount that the pastor said we had to give, but to give what we had decided, as the Apostle Paul said, in our heart. Now, there are people all over this room that you pledged, and you, you've met your pledge. To that, I say thank you. We here at Bethesda Church, we say thank you. Can we give all those that have pledged and met that? Come on, let's give them a big God bless you. Thank you for everything you've given. Now, so a couple of things I want to share, and then we're going to watch a video that I think will show you some of the life change that happens here at Bethesda Church that, that you may not even know about. If you've already pledged and met it, thank you. Also, if you feel that, you know what, we pledged that amount, we were able to meet it, but we could do more. We've got about 100 days, three and a half months to give. There is a pledge card in every seat, and I want you to notice what this pledge card says because this is the heart behind what we're doing. It says, I'm committed to grow in the grace of giving. With God's help, I will be intentional about generosity. I will give above and beyond for the next three and a half months toward the Imagine campaign. There's not an amount to check. It's totally you and the Holy Spirit. And we didn't receive offering earlier. We didn't receive the tithe because we wanted to combine the pledge cards and the tithe and the offering in one whack. And we're going to set some buckets up in a, in a little while where you can bring your offering, what you had planned on giving today. And also, if you would like to contribute over the next 100 days to the new facility getting completed, we, we, we're asking that you do that. Now, some of you have pledged, met it, you could do more. Some of you have never pledged. We're not mad at you for that. But I am saying this is an opportunity. This is, this is an opportunity to do what the Apostle Paul said, to grow in the grace of giving, to be intentional. Every single week, I get to hear stories of how Bethesda Church is changing lives. You don't always get to hear those stories, but today we got a story that I think you guys want to see. Go ahead and roll that. In 2000, I died in a car accident, was in a coma for three days. The only way to really explain it was, I remember it being bright, like just everything was white, it was bright, super bright. All I remember was somebody saying, it's not your time, and then boom. I could hear my mom talking, I could hear my dad, I could hear my grandparents, whoever else was in the room but I could not respond. I couldn't say nothing. And it's a crazy feeling, like I can't, I can't explain it. I mean, it's, it was wild. I was like, I was back on earth. 
but I was helpless. I couldn't. It was just dark. And then when I came to, I mean, I didn't know who my mom was, and who my dad was. I knew anybody was until so many hours down the road. I always wonder, you know, why God left me here. But when everything actually came full circle was June the 7th of 2017. I mean, we had, it was the first Wednesday, the very first one I ever attended. He did the series of um, Call Me Benjamin. Pastor Chad, just the way he delivered the message. God, I want you to slap five people a high five, and I want you to tell them, call me Benjamin. Come on, somebody, call me Benjamin. I could understand it, and it, it tugged at my heartstrings. But when we come to church, we put up every wall, and we want to let every, I'm blessed and highly favored, knowing good and well we're addicted and bound, but this should be the one place that we can come and say, I'm not Israel yet, I'm Jacob, and I need some help, and it's okay. It's only when we're honest that we can experience change. It's in our struggle that God gives us a new name. And he did an altar call, and you know, Something was telling me just to go up there, and I'm not one, usually I'll hold back, but everybody went up, and I went up with Lauren. He prayed over every single person that night. Father, I thank you, God, for this man of God. Lord, he's attended here two months, but Sunday he gave his life to you, God. And God, we just... God, I thank you for a church that you can belong before you believe God and then when he gets to me and he lays his hand on me he pulls back real quick and he was like wow he was like God spoke to you before man I just sense an, a, an anointing on your life man I, you know I, I know you just got saved but I, I just I believe God's hand has been on you for a while like you've been hearing him talk to you you you've been sensing man there's just something different I, and I just want to encourage you that's the calling that's the call of God on your life. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for a new name, a new name, a new identity in you, God. We receive everything you have said over us tonight, God. Lord, order his steps, open up doors, help him to grow in you and become everything, God, that you have called him to be. Give him influence with those, God, Lord, that need you, God. Help him to speak a word in season, God, to those that need it. In Jesus' name. And that when it's when it really hit me, like, Something's real here. And I, it, I left in tears that day, and I mean, I left a completely changed person. My life has changed so much in the last year. I mean, without Bethesda, I don't know where I'd be right now. I really don't, I'm a better, I hope I'm a better fiance, a better father. It doesn't get any better as a father than when you are sick and you hear your daughter in the next room praying for you to get better. You know you're doing the right thing when your kids are praying at a young age. I didn't do that. And that just lets me know that I must be doing something right when my daughter can pray and ask for forgiveness when she does something wrong. When people are sick, it doesn't gotta be me or her mom. It can be anybody. She has her best friends that she prays for. She prays for the dogs across the street. I mean, she'll pray for anything. And I've seen it in my fiance, and just she's grown. Our temperaments changed. I mean, it's just everything's changed about our household. We, and Pastor Chad, just helping shape me and mold me, and let me know that I'm going to make a difference. 
that I'm here for a reason, discover my purpose. And then, like I said, full circle, first Wednesday, when he said God had spoke to me, and that, like I said, how could he have known that? He didn't know I was in a car accident. He didn't even know who I was in the year 2000. Nobody did. But to hear him say that, it really, I mean, he planned, he started watering the seed right then and there. The seed was there, and I mean, it started growing, and it ain't stopped growing. And I'm gonna continue to cultivate my seed, and I'm gonna continue to let it grow. And I tell my fiance all the time, we're going to change the world, that Bethesda is going to change the world, and I truly in my heart believe that. Bethesda is 2018. I'm all in. Come on, Bethesda Church. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus for the life change. Adam has since, I didn't know who he was the night I prayed for him. I didn't even know what had happened that night until several weeks later when he Facebook messaged me and said, you don't know me, but you need to know something very significant. And that's when he began to tell me that he had died in a car accident and came back and was in a coma and all that stuff. And since then, he has just accepted the call to preach the gospel. Come on, somebody. Isn't that awesome? His wife, Lauren, we, of course, we did their wedding, but Lauren is now full-time here at the church starting this week. Come on, somebody, give God praise. That, God can take, listen, you are giving to a vision. We're not giving for just to meet a need. We're giving for the next Adam Crawford, for the next Lauren Crawford, for the next person that don't even know it, but have, they have an appointment with destiny, and God is about to change them and save them and turn their life around in an amazing way. And listen, it's because of your generosity. I'm so excited that we get to do what we get to do every single week. We have stationed buckets all up front because we haven't received tithe and offering. We wanted to combine the two. But during this last song, we're going to ask you that you bring your tithe and offering today and just put it in uh, as we worship. But also, if you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you about this last 100 days, what you could do above and beyond what you normally do. This would be an awesome time to fill that out, bring it, put it in the bucket. Listen, God is in charge. He's in control. We're just asking that every person obey God. We love you. Thank you for your generosity. Before we sing and give, let's give Jesus the best praise we have today. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.